You're listening to. Welcome back to Books and Bobo, a book club and podcast featuring books by Asian and Asian American authors. My name is Marvin Yue. And I'm Rira Yu. And it's our last episode of 2018. Rira, 2018 is finally over. Ooh. <laughs> I'm so excited. Excited to ring in 2019 or are you excited this year is over? I'm excited that this year is over. <laughs> <laughs> um, how, how have you been? Um, as you can hear, I am back in sunny, sunny Los Angeles. We're mere days before the end of the year. How was um, how was your Christmas? Um, so I was sick in the last episode, mm-hmm. and uh, I was incredibly sick for the week of Christmas. Well, was this the same sickness, or were you uh, attacked by a different one? I was attacked by a different one. It attacked my lungs, and I threw up a lot. Oh, no. And uh, I honestly thought that I would not make it today. But somehow I did. So I'm very proud of myself for getting out of my house and driving all the way here. I'm excited, too, because we kind of didn't we like organize. Didn't we schedule this um, like a week ago? Yeah, we did. (laughs) We really did. And I was just like, will I be well enough to record with Marvin? Will I be coughing a lot? I don't know. Time time will tell. We still have tomorrow before the weekend if if we had to. So that's all good. That's true. You, You guys might be listening to this in 2019. And I'm gonna try to get it out um, before New Year, so oh, hopefully, what an ambitious goal! But then, if you are lazy podcast listeners, you might be listening to us in in 2019, or if you want to wait till after you've read our December book. Um, although we, before we get to our December book club pick, which is Young Jane Young by Gabrielle Zevin, um, it's been a while since we went over the book news, and there's been uh, we're not gonna go over everything we missed because that would take way too long. And also, I was really sick, so. <laughs> My my memory span is is not great, but we do have a couple recent book news that Rira has compiled that we're going to go over real quick um, to get you ca- caught up on what's to come, um, which is a lot more awesomeness from Asian and Asian American authors. I guess let's start with the biggest news of the holiday season. Uh, I don't know if you saw this little video that uh, Lana Connor put up on was it Twitter or Netflix? It was it was Netflix. Okay. Netflix uh, posted it on Twitter and their Instagram. Your wishes have been heard by the Netflix overlords, and you will be getting more uh, Lara Jean in the near future. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so excited for the sequel. I mean, we all knew that it was inevitable, but like, I'm so glad that they agreed to it, and I'm so glad that they're uh, they're doing it now instead of like waiting <laughs> until everyone is kind of like too old to play teens anymore. Well, also, this was like. They made the first movie in like a year, so it's it's a pretty like easy production, I think, for them. Yeah. Um, judging from the video, uh, it seems that they are including John Ambrose McLaren, who is kind of like the third wheel to the love triangle. <laughs> well, he was in the first movie. He was in the first in movie. The he was kind of like teased. I'm not sure how they're going to do the sequel. I'm not sure if it's two films. They might just make one more film because it didn't they didn't say like how many movies that they're going to be making Mm. so i'm like wondering if they're going to go more with the second book or if they're going to go with the third book i would prefer if they went with the third book because the second book there's like so much 
like back and forth between John Ambrose and Peter. Uh-huh. And it's like, I'd rather focus on... But isn't that the drama? No. Isn't that the drama comes from? We need the triangle. No, because like, cause like in the third book, it's about like college. It's about like Peter uh, going to a different college than right. La- uh, Lana. Growing up. Why did I say Lana? Largie. <laughs> um, similar names. And I just, I, I just think that it would make more sense if they're having that dilemma on top of like dealing with a third person in, in their relationship. Because hmm. you know how like high school couples are, like once they go to college, like that relationship kind of like is tested. I guess, but didn't they already include part of the second book in the first movie? They like, did. The last scene of the first movie was the first scene of the second book, right? Uh, like, I would say like the first quarter of the second book. Okay. In the second book, it's it's a lot of John Ambrose and uh, Lara Jean because they're like helping out at like... Uh, because that's the drama. At a senior home and like uh, this old lady is trying to like hook them up together. Oh. I mean, it's endearing, but I honestly think that there is more meat in the third book. I am saying this as someone who majored in screenwriting, Martin. (laughs) My useless degree. It has to come into use sometime. Well, I mean, they're going to milk this for as long as possible. So we'll probably, I don't know. Oh, speaking of To All the Boys I Loved Before, we did get an email from one of our listeners, uh, uh, Cece. Uh, Cece said that, uh, they enjoyed our movie chat because um, because they haven't really heard much like much talk much comparison between the movie and book when it comes to like to all the boys I loved before oh. and they requested that uh, we do I mean, a we, second we pretty much episode. did that for Crazy Rich Asians we we did <laughs> um, but yeah I would love to do another episode where we do talk about the second movie but i i just feel like we'll be repeating ourselves so we'll we'll see what <laughs> happens in the movie i have a feeling that it's going to be very different from uh from the books yeah well what other books can we talk about that has had um movie adaptations well uh never let me go you oh, still have not watched I still that not watched that movie um uh a lot of keigo higashino's uh novels oh. i mean that could be a whole separate series where we just watch because it's it's not even the movies yeah it's they like have movies TV. but they have tv series tv based series on the, yeah but suspect x is actually it's a been movie. remade like as many times as a star is born i feel like oh really in different like languages i still haven't there's, watched like, a, Japanese a star version. Is born. i think it's a korean version and there's like a china they made a china version too yeah that was yeah. recent that was like last year yeah. right yeah um <laughs> We yeah, maybe that's a segment that we'll do in the future. We'll pick a book that has been made into a movie and just put, talk about it. Yeah, I think we should put that behind like a, a Patreon paywall or something. I know. <laughs> we should figure out how to make money off this podcast at yeah. some point, or at least support. At, at some our point, cost. we need to figure out how to how to do sponsorships and how to like figure out how to make this a sustainable podcast. I know because I mean I've given Audible enough mo- of my money. For the books that I can't, I don't have time to read, but I listen to in my car because I'm in LA and we listen to things in our car. Well, I, I we're not sponsored by Libby, but I highly recommend you uh, checking out Libby because yeah. it's like libraries, but it's like an it's kind of like an Amazon for libraries where you can like borrow digital copies and also listen to audiobooks. I feel like you would benefit from it, Marvin. Probably. You don't have a library card. You should really... I do have one. You do have one. From middle school. Oh, no. Oh, no. Those still work, right? I'm still in the system. 
Yeah, that's true. But do you still have your library card? You should get it. I'm actually in the process of cleaning out my old room. You should just get a new library card. We can make make a day out of it, Marvin. (laughs) And then we can post it on Instagram and be like, look, Marvin got his first adult library card. Uh, Well, okay. We'll leave it to our listeners. If you would like to see this super engaging content of me going to the library for the first time in like 20 years. Um, Actually, no, that's not true. I went to the library to study when I was in grad school. Yeah, but that was to study. That wasn't to like borrow books. I haven't checked out a book in maybe two decades. Oh, God. (laughs) Not everyone can be as rich as you, Marvin. I just like owning books. I should get a Kindle. But then I I do like the tactile feel of pages. Anyways. Oh, don't be one of those people. I mean, you (laughs) read off of screens all the time. I mean... And I also listen to a lot of audiobooks. All right, moving on to book deals. Our first book deal uh, in our new segment is Fawel and Friends bought Amina May Safi's untitled YA novel inspired by Empire Records. The book follows three teens, a bookstagrammer, an inspiring poet, and a girl living through her Britney moment. I'm not sure what that means, but hey, uh, as they try to save their dying local bookstore, publication is slated for summer 2020. That could mean a lot of things, really. Is it the rise of Britney? The fall of Britney. Like I don't want to say like Oh, like Britney Spears? Right, isn't it? Isn't I mean, I, I what, don't know. What other popular Britneys are there? I'm so out of touch with American <laughs> pop culture that I, I would not I know. love that we're at a moment where a bookstagrammer can be the protagonist of a book. So we can like have bookstagram inception. This is the most millennial thing that <laughs> anyone can put into a book. Hey. Bookstagrammers need representation also. That's true. There are too many white bookstagrammers. Yeah. I'm not even joking when it comes to that. (laughs) (laughs) What are we? We're like book podders. We're pod bookers. Yeah. There's a lot of book podcasts. A lot more than I thought there were. There's a lot of readers out there. Yeah. And people who like talking about reading. Good for them. Um, Patterson Books at Little Brown has acquired author-illustrator Jomike Tahito's debut picture book, There Was an Old Woman Who Lived in a Book. The story is about a mother who comes across classic fairy tale characters while on a quest to find her lost children. Publication is slated for January 2020. You know, we do need new folktales, so that's cool. That's true. I never really grew up with nursery rhymes, yeah. or at least like Western nursery well, rhymes. I'm just glad the old woman upgraded from her shoe to a book. I think that's moving up. Is that is that a thing? There was an old woman who lived in a shoe. Oh. She had so many children, she didn't know what to do. And then two other verses I forgot. Oh, okay. Well, this <laughs> this is a thing, and um, I've never heard of it. <laughs> Sterling Children's Books acquired Vicky Fong's STEM-based picture book, Eventa Pet, which introduces basic coding concepts as a girl programs a mysterious machine in a quest to develop the perfect pet. The book will be illustrated by Tirawan Tairpinarong, hopefully I said that correctly, <laughs> and is set to be published for spring 2020. So I love that this is teaching girls uh, how, to code. how to code. Is this um, pro-eugenics, maybe? I don't know. I guess pets is okay. I mean, isn't that what we do now? <laughs> like with pet breeding? It's true. We learned that in IQ. <laughs> Oh, but that's awesome. I'm going to totally give these books to my nieces when when they come out. They'll be the right age to start 
getting interested in computers. You know, kids are super tech literate these days. Yeah, I know. I remember what I learned how to code through Zanga, but the coding <laughs> is so ancient now that it's not useful at all. <laughs> HTML code. You can still use HTML. Yeah, but n- not really. Like, I remember I was able to, like, design my own layout, and I used that skill to make my own, like, K-pop forum, <laughs> and now all of that skill has, like, like, like the code is so ancient that I can't do anything with it. I mean, it. the code is ancient, but that, that experience led you to the person you are today. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I'm so proud of myself. Um, and, you know, without you... Where would people talk about K-pop, right? There are so many K-pop <laughs> podcasts that... Okay. <laughs> uh, next up, Harper Teen acquired Sveta Takrar's contemporary YA fantasy novel, Star Daughter, inspired by Hindu mythology. The book follows a half-mortal, half-star girl who must win a celestial competition to save her human father's life. Publication is planned for summer 2020. Yeah, This actually reminds me of... Um, Renee Rutledge, um, The Hour of Daydreams. If you haven't checked out that episode, uh, please check it out. Mm. Uh, I really enjoy talking to Renee about her book. Yeah. And it also uh, featured a star girl or celestial maiden. Yeah. Uh, next up, Charlene Chua's author-illustrator debut book, Hug, was picked up by Kids Can. The picture book is about a girl who finds herself giving hug after hug until all of a sudden she's had enough. Publication is planned for fall 2020. You never have enough hugs. Oh man, I hate giving hugs. <laughs> they they should really stop uh, forcing kids to give out hugs. Like you know, consent. That's true. This is the fundamental difference between myself and Rira's personality. <laughs> <laughs> My personality is please don't touch me. <laughs> and I'm learning about consent. Yay! It's never too late. Um, Harper Teen bought. Farah Naz Rishi's debut YA novel, I Hope You Get This Message. The book is set in a world where humanity on Earth is revealed to be a grand experiment that is expected to end in seven days by its mother planet. Publication is scheduled for fall 2019. That sounds like, uh, what's that, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide? Oh, really? I, I don't Kind of. Well, in Hitchhiker's Guide, the, the planet is uh, going to be destroyed via eminent domain, right? Yeah. I guess it's more like Truman Project? Or... Yeah, yeah, Truman Project. <laughs> Freaking love that movie. Uh, final book deal in our new segment is Norton Young Readers acquired Melissa EY's picture book, Dumpling Party, which follows a girl who travels around the world within her own apartment building as she helps her grandmother collect ingredients to make different versions of dumplings for a special party. Publication is scheduled for winter 2021. I want a dumpling party. That's... What other dumplings are? I, I guess like... There's like Polish dumplings. There I mean, are like culture po- has dumplings. There's like potato it's like, dumplings. Yeah, it's, like, it's like are raviolis considered of, dumplings? I think so because okay. it's like it's something doughy covering something meaty, um, and it's the closest thing that Europeans have to like Asian dumplings. I feel like yeah. I mean, did they steal it from us though? Pretty. I mean, putting stuff in other stuff is kind of a basic thing to cook. I mean, that's how sandwiches were invented. Right? Are sandwiches dumplings? No. These are the hard-hitting questions we're asking here on Books and Boba. <laughs> All right. And Please that... sound off, listeners, if you think sandwiches are dumplings. Or is Marvin an idiot? Uh, I think it's the latter. Uh, okay, <laughs> we are going to move on to our book discussion. 
Yeah. Uh, once again, our December book club pick was Young Jin Young by Gabrielle Zevin. And as always, um, from this point forward, um, everything is on the table in the book, including plot twists and spoilers. So if you have not read the book yet, um, please read the book before coming back and listening to us. Otherwise, if you've already read a book or don't care if you get spoiled or not, listen on. Yeah. Um, let's start with the book jacket description. This is the story of five women. Meet Rachel Grossman. She'll stop at nothing to protect her daughter, Aviva, even if it ends up costing her everything. Meet Jane Young. She's disrupting a quiet life with her daughter, Ruby, to seek political office for the first time. Meet Ruby Young. She thinks her mom has a secret. She's right. Meet Embeth Levin. She's made a career of cleaning up her congressman husband's messes. Meet Aviva Grossman. The internet won't let her the internet won't let her or anyone else forget her past transgressions. This is a story of five women and the sexist scandal that binds them together. Yeah. So, so um, obviously this book is very timely considering yeah. the the recent surge of the Me Too movement. When was it released? It was released in um, 2018, right? Uh, 2017 because this is paperback and usually takes a year for it to be so uh, like yeah written pre like the whole yeah pre-trump but uh you know it released right as soon at like not right as soon but like during the trump presidency that's just good timing yeah um obviously the book is heavily inspired by the clinton lewinsky scandal Mm -hmm. um I was a young child during the scandal, so obviously I don't really remember much of it. But of course, pop culture, uh, it brings up that scandal from time to time. It was the first scandal that actually like kind of crossed over to the internet. Like We didn't have social media back then, but it was like where there were forums, there were places to comment on uh comment on pictures and it was like a scandal that was like vastly shared through the internet so um i would say like lewinsky became like it it was like the first she was the first case where your reputation can be completely ruined through public humiliation right and um, i actually watched her ted talk uh not that long ago and it's like really interesting because she's talking about like how um how like we live in a culture of humiliation how like media capitalizes on it and the more humiliating a scandal or a gossip is the more clicks the more ad revenue and uh there's so little compassion on the internet and nowadays you don't even need to have a real scandal for someone to like publicly humiliate you yeah and uh you know, it's it's really interesting because cyberbullying is a really big issue among uh, young folks nowadays. And that's pretty much what happened to Monica Lewinsky. She was cyberbullied. And there wasn't a term back then for that. And it's really sad that um, that a lot of women, they get trolled, they get slut shamed and uh, really nothing has changed really ex- except for that it ha- it has gotten a lot worse it has gotten way more accessible to um pretty much harass women on the internet i mean the thing is the promise of the internet is that it's like infinitely scalable right so it can make a small community feel tighter but uh, but it can also make the world also feel smaller so yeah. a scandal that happens in like the middle of nowhere can get picked up 
get aggregated and now like, everyone knows about it and everyone's digging into your stuff because as Aviva finds out, like your internet presence is there permanently. You can try to like... You can do your best to like delete stuff, but once yeah. it's out there on the internet, there's really no way to take it down. Yeah, and there was a there was a good moment in time, and it probably still happens where you know people are being um, called out for talking about their bosses on Facebook and then getting fired, and it's like people don't realize that what they think is private might not be. And this is something we're learning like today about how like Facebook and these internet companies deal with like work with your private like how they um how they use your data is like nothing you nothing is private on these things yeah and also if you think about it like like in the past like two three years there there have been so many like leaks on emails and private snapchats and like private information and like with those leaks so much uh bullying and so much harassment has kind of arose from it and, um, yeah, like, the thing is, I don't remember much about the Clinton-Lewinsky scandal, but reading this book kind of, like, made me piece together, like, <laughs> what, like, how big it was back then, and really just, um, just how much of a power imbalance there were, there was, because obviously when I was, like, what, like, 10 years old, like, I didn't know that Monica Lewinsky was, like, 22, <laughs> like, when she started uh, having this affair with uh, the president. I had no idea she was that young. I had no idea that, like, uh, that it was kind of gross that a man that was, like, almost, uh, like, 20 years her senior was taking advantage of an intern like that. And it wasn't even his first scandal. No, it wasn't. <laughs> I mean, this country has a history of forgiving presidents with uh, with a lot of affairs. And most of the time, they get away with it. And the fault is always on the women. Yeah. And I mean, we see this. We, we see that illustrated in the character of Ruby Young, who is the daughter of Jane Young, who, um, spoilers, um, is... Aviva, the young woman who is caught up in the scandal, it's older self who like changed her name and moved to a different city, a small town, to like get away from everything and start over. Um, Ruby, when she finds out about her mother's scandal, things exactly like that. Like she doesn't realize that because when you're young, everyone older than you you think is an adult and should be responsible and is like fully responsible for their actions. Um, but <laughs> I mean us as older adults now realize that yeah we were pretty dumb back in our early 20s like we did a lot of like not smart things yeah and we were very fortunate that like we like social media wasn't really prevalent when we were growing up in like high school or middle school i can't even imagine (laughs) how much pressure young people have nowadays i'm talking like an old person young young folks these days (laughs) i mean even these days we have like pressure to show off that we're someone or something on social media like look at all the cool stuff we're doing right I remember growing up, uh, a lot of like teachers and older figures, they would say, oh, be careful who you talk to on the internet. It might just be like a pedophile. And nowadays, it's just like, yeah, like share all of your private information. (laughs) Who cares who sees your Instagram? Like, Like, honestly, what you put on the internet nowadays isn't even your real self. It is just whatever you 
want to project. I don't think it's ever been your real self. Yeah, that's like some true. people try to stay authentic. Even the, the the term authenticity is so like such a like manufactured thing because you want to be authentic. <laughs> you're trying to be authentic, but in being authentic, you're not always being yourself, right? Yeah. Which reminds me of American Vandal. It's a great show. You should watch it. It is like one of my favorite shows of, it's on of my all time. List, you you sure. should definitely watch it. Um, so I really enjoyed reading this book. It was super engaging. I, I like. I understood when you told me that you finished half the book in like a day. Like I finished like two thirds of the book in a day. Yeah, for sure. It really helps that the book is split into five different perspectives and. Each of the perspective is written in um, a different different narrative format. I found out that, like for example, like Ruby's perspective was written in an exchange of emails with her pen pal, pen pal from Indonesia. Yeah, and I thought that was like super clever, and also it just made me cringe throughout <laughs> that throughout that section because I was I was just like, oh, young. Young people, they make so many like well, assumptions, and it's great because it puts you in like it puts you in their shoes and yeah. make you realize like how stupid, <laughs> like how stupid young people can be, how impulsive, and how the decisions you make when you're young is completely different from the decisions you might make as an adult. Yeah, and the fact that like, um. What I love about Ruby's part is also like I love that it's done through this pen pal like email thing that you don't you don't read the um, replies from her pen pal. The fact that it seems like the entire thing is on one email chain, yeah, right? Because re 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 re, um, and like this is because it's also very I, I thought it was super like clever because this is how you a because she's um, Ruby is characterized as someone who's like very introverted, right? Someone who's super nerdy. And book smart and not very um, social at school, right? But when in this format, she gets to be like more true to herself, I guess. Mm-hmm. But also at the same time, she's also posturing for her for her pen pal, yeah, right, showing off how she can Google things and assuming things and um, kind of trying to show off, yeah. too, right? I mean, what I found kind of heartbreaking in the emails is. Is when Ruby says like, "Oh, like the people deserve to know that like my mom isn't fit to be mayor because she slept with a married man," and yeah. she's like, "It's a it's a crime," and it, and the thing is, it's not a crime, and and if you think about it, like young people nowadays, like I wonder how many of them know about the Clinton Lewinsky scandal, and I wonder like what they've kind of what information they've kind of inherited from their parents, right. you know. Probably like just the Cliff Notes version, and also like going off that the um the part where she is lashing out at her at her um at her pen pal and saying in your country don't women get stoned for this stuff and yeah. it's like it's different because of um I guess like I mean I, I mean I feel like every culture has like nowadays there's a lot of slut shaming and yeah. there's like so much patriarchy in in a lot of countries. So it's just like the degree to which the patriarchy <laughs> is able to uh, control women in right. a certain country. It varies. And but yeah. Yeah. But at this point, like you can see how the patriarchy is already ingrained. It's already like indoctrinated. 
Ruby into thinking certain a certain way about how the world works. And then at that point, she you know, she's also accepting that like isn't that how it works? Like, so why are you defending my mom? Right? Yeah, because it shouldn't be how it works. <laughs> Women <clears throat> should be able to do whatever they want without yeah. suffering. So, like this, the thing is, like the devastating cost of just just like a series of really bad decisions when you make when you're twenty something years old, like. Like it, it sucks. Like the fact that Aviva Grossman can't even get a job, even though she's educated and you know she's pretty much bilingual. Like and she was like the like the top research associate, like analyst in the congressman's office, right? Yeah, like, she has skills other than having like good looks, right? Yeah, that that's another thing that I really liked about this book. Um, I mean, like overall, it talks a lot about like feminism and just like patriarchy and how that really infringes on women's right but i also really liked uh references to the casual misogyny in daily lives like with rachel's um with rachel uh her online aviva <laughs> yeah aviva's mom like her online dating escapades mm. i'm just like oh my god that one guy who was just like like, why did you say no to me? And just yeah. kind of like keeps harassing her. Was that the um? Was that the guy? The second guy she went on a date with, or was it the husband? The second husband of her best friend? No, the second husband of her best friend. Uh, he thinks that she's hitting on him mm. when she's clearly not, and he's like, "Well, you keep mentioning like Pilates, like you're clearly coming on to me." And she's just like, "I'm, I'm just talking about Pilates. Like, why?" <laughs> Why do you think I'm hitting on you? Like, why do you think the world revolves around you and how attractive you are? And that comes out again in um, Jane Young's um, part where she's working with Shiley, um, the the flower guy. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. And they all have the same, like... And it's, like, uh, I think... You know, this, I'm pretty sure it's, like... And, like, it's totally intentional, probably, that, like, they all have the same excuse, like... I'm already on the outs with my wife. Like we're like, it's been over for a while now. Right. Yeah. I really like that metaphor of the orchid being Uh, like, Oh yeah. Like you see, you think that relationship is dead, (laughs) but just keep watering it for a while and it'll come back to life. And I know that's a metaphor between like uh, Rachel and Aviva's relationship, like mother daughter relationship. But at the same time, like, marriages are a lot harder to destroy than most people think. I also think it's a metaphor of the just resiliency, right? Like just because some you think something might be dead doesn't mean it doesn't still have life in it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh I don't know about you, but w- that scene where um Charlie is talking to Jane about the orchid was my first hint that Jane was Aviva. Um Oh really? Like you you didn't know like going into the book no was that a um was Hold that on, a, let me look at the book book jacket because uh it says she has a secret so like i was i didn't know like it, it didn't like it didn't click for me t- until like i started until she started talking about that orchid because in the first part the, the mother like rachel gives her that orchid for her um apartment right mm-hmm. I I mean, for me, I think it was just like the title is called Young Jane Young, and it's about 
Aviva, this congressional uh, intern. And I was just like, well, the story is centered around her and this really sexist scandal that happened. So I'm guessing that Jane is the main character. That's That was just like what my thought was when I jumped into the book. So uh-huh. I immediately just assumed that it was Aviva. And also I was just like, how do you come back from from going through something like that? You change your name. And I just assumed that she changed her name. And I was right. Oh. I did love that this book used that like Rashomon like type of uh, setup where each character has imperfect information. To, oh yeah, yeah. Right, it's just from their perspective. Like um, when you're reach, reading, when you're reading the first part from Rachel's perspective, like you have like you have her interactions with Aviva, where she's acting pretty like bratty and aggressive towards her mom. But when you read it from Aviva's perspective, perspective, you see that like she knows it's not her fault, but her mom's the only person she can vent to, really. Yeah, like, who can take it? Also. I liked how each woman was deeply flawed and it didn't like I didn't have to like each person to understand where they came from. And I think that's like extraordinary writing, you know, like even though you don't agree with a character's decision, like, you know where they come from. And that's a sign of good writing. Even during Rachel's part, I can relate to Aviva where it's like. This mom is saying stuff and doing the exact opposite of what she's saying. And she doesn't even remember all the bad things she says to her daughter. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. Like that one scene with Rachel and uh, her date where the date was just like, oh, yeah, like there was that there was that girl who like slept with a congressman. And he just like goes on and on about how much of a slut Aviva is without she ruined his career. Yeah. The first Jewish president, blah, 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 blah. And like later on he like he runs into rachel again and he says oh my god i realized that you're aviva's mom i'm so sorry i didn't mean to say all of those things if i knew i wouldn't have said them and rachel's just like like but you said them yeah and just because she's my daughter doesn't mean that you didn't mean all the things that you said and it's like yeah like yikes (laughs) like We should be treating everyone as actual human beings at all times, right? Which isn't what happens. Like, our brain likes shortcuts. That's just how brains work. It actually actually reminded me of this one interaction I had with my dad. So um, this was when – this was during the 2016 election. And – my dad was my dad was going to vote for Trump and he did end up voting for Trump. What? I'm not afraid to out him. You're putting him on blast right now. I it's okay. He doesn't listen <laughs> to this podcast. But um at the time like it was right when news about Trump's sexual harassment to all of these women and him saying like oh grab them by the pussy like all yeah. of that all of those horrible things are like in the headlines. It was like fresh off the press. And I was talking to him about it and I said and he was just like, yeah, but like it has nothing to do with his job as a president. So I don't see why I can't vote for him. And I looked at him and I said, well, what if someone said that about me? What if someone like Donald Trump had sexually harassed or assaulted me? Would you be saying the same thing? And he said, no, like I wouldn't because that's fucked up. And I said, yeah, so why are you voting for him? And, you know, he just reverted back to his original statement being like, well, you're, you're not the one who is like 
being harassed. And also harassment has nothing to do with a presidency. And I'm like, really? Then let's look at all of the other presidents who have had affairs, who have abused their wives and and compare how their presidencies were like. And also, like, if you if if Trump was if you're talking about a woman in that situation, then it has everything to do with how they'll act as a president. Right. Yeah. And also, it was just like, you know, I was. I, I mean, like, this is, like, ancient history now because... It's two know, years. <laughs> it, it is ancient. ancient. It feels like it's been 10 years since 2016. And and just, like, me saying, like, well, why why aren't you voting for Hillary Clinton? And he's just like, oh, well, like, the Clinton administration, like, left a bad taste in my mouth. And I'm like, what does that mean? And, you know, he mentioned Monica Lewinsky. Mm. And I'm just like... And I'm just like, hmm... Is that is that right? Uh, a president taking advantage of an intern, a much younger woman, left a bad taste in your mouth. What about freaking Donald Trump and her, him harassing all of these women? Is it not the same thing? And I was talking about how like Hillary Clinton had had all of these. Um, she had so much experience in politics, and you know she was a senator at one point, and she was Secretary of State, and. None of that really mattered to my dad. And I'm sure it didn't matter to a lot of Americans during the 2016 election. And this book kind of uh, kind of showed that like of like Jane Young, she is running for mayor. And, you know, the fact that she made this mistake when she was 20 something years old, like it's coming back up. And it's like it's like a fact. It it can make or break her election, despite the fact that she's highly qualified to be mayor. It could, but also it. I mean, I think this book is ultimately optimistic in that it's showing that when she runs for mayor, she's like what thirty six years old at that point. She's older. She she has more perspective on like things. She recognizes how unfair things were, um, but. An interesting thing during like Aviva section of the book, which is written in like a choose your own adventure style. We can get back to that later. She totally acknowledges all the choices she's made, and she's decided she's not going to be ashamed of it anymore. Right? It's, yeah. When she runs for mayor of the, her town, um, she makes it known that like this thing will come up. Right? And she's worried not because of how she might lose because of it. She's worried that like, are you sure you want to put your money behind? A campaign that might be tanked because of like yeah. misogynistic culture. Yeah, right? I thought, um, what is it? The rich lady who pretty much Mrs. Morgan. Mrs. Morgan. Oh man, Mrs. Morgan. <laughs> I loved her. She was like, "Hey, I have the biggest paycheck in this entire town, and if you don't win this campaign, then we'll run for another one. Like it doesn't matter. I have money." Yeah, and it's like, oh man, if only. So if only all the rich people in the world could be like that, it can be like Mrs. Morgan. But I like the fact when when um, Jane is talking to Ruby and Ruby's like, I'm sorry, I like I was the one who wrote that op ed to the newspaper and kind of outed you as Aviva. Um, Jane's like, yeah, I know. And Mrs. Morgan pretty much owns the paper and she could have blocked it if I told her to. But I didn't stop her yeah. because it's not something that I'm ashamed of. Um, it was 
definitely she was definitely taken advantage of and um it made me really question like oh like slut shaming how do you stop that can you just refuse to be slut shamed and honestly i don't know the answer to that cuz shame is like such a powerful weapon i think part of it is just changing the conversation and i mean something that the book really really illustrates is the power of like of grassroots right because if say um jane was running for a bigger office and this came out it would be a bigger scandal but because it's she's running for mayor of her town where she knows everybody and she like um is obviously the most qualified because the person she's running against is a jerk mm-hmm. um like the fact that she had the scandal matters less because people know who she is yeah like she's been part of their lives right and i mean it also helps that she is like an event planner <laughs> and like everyone has kind of divulged their dark secrets to her and, and that's part of it that's and part like of every politics, single and, and like you know every single person in town is just like well she knows my mistakes why can't i forgive her for her mistake yeah. and it, i mean i think the message ultimately is that like the world and internet and like media tries to paint people in broad strokes, but everyone is everyone is ultimately human, right? Yeah, there's this wonderful quote in the book, and I don't remember <laughs> it like word for word, but it's in Aviva section, Aviva's perspective in the Choose Your Adventure uh, section, and it's when she's in the car with Congressman Levin, mm. and he's like, "Why are you so quiet?" And she says, and, you know, she makes an excuse being like, oh, I'm tired, like work or whatever. And it, right. and she goes on to say, it's because I am a human being with an interior world and you don't know that it exists pretty mm-hmm. much. And it's like, yeah, every single person has an interior world. Everybody has more than one layer to them. And it kind of sucks that social media and the news, it they can just you know, not show those layers and they can just paint whatever picture that they want and just get money, get profit from it. And it's not because they want to like seek the truth like journalism is supposed to work. It's because they want to get the clicks. They want to get the eyeballs. They want to get the the ratings. I mean, the really tragic thing about um, the whole Aviva, um, like Aviva's fallout is when she is discovered with Congressman Levin in in that car accident, like, you know, like news break that they had an affair. And really, if it was just that, like people would have forgotten about it, like within like a couple months. Mm -hmm. But the fact that she wrote a blog and like (laughs) wrote all this detail about her life and was kind of like not very good about covering up who she was working for yeah yeah like that was really the nail in the coffin and it's just like how like if you look back at your internet history like like what are some things that you've said on message boards or comments where you're just like wow i shouldn't have said that yeah but now it's like on the internet like imagine that being blasted on the news and just like being be it being on repeat like that that is terrible no one no one deserves that and the thing is that's what happened to monica Lewinsky. like 
she had um, someone had recorded her conversations, and it was leaked. The transcripts of it was leaked to the press, and then later on, her the audio files were released on、um, released on the news. So it was just kind of like an early、um, demonstration of people just leaking out private information about someone. Yeah, the power of the mob. Yeah.、Um, what did you think about the Aviva section being a choose your own adventure? I know that a lot of reviewers、uh, said they didn't like it. Really? Yeah, a lot of reviewers said that it was really cheesy, and they thought it was.、Um, Like they weren't satisfied with the ending, but I really thought what was not satisfying about it was like—is it because she didn't get justice, or they didn't find out if she won or not? Yeah, it was. It was because, one of the two I mean, things, you know. Yeah, and like, and like <laughs> the main complaint was just like, oh, they were like, like Aviva makes so many bad decisions that it was like hard to read, and I'm like. That's kind of the point of this choose your adventure book because in the beginning, I don't know if you've noticed, but she has, she has like a lot more choices in the beginning of the choose your adventure section,、right. and then as you go into each,、uh, I guess, stage of the relationship with the congressman, the choices are vastly reduced, right? And it's. And then, well, yeah. Once she has Ruby, then there's no choices at all. There's no choices at all. Yeah. And you know it, it. You know, like I when I was reading it, it, it I was like internally screaming. <laughs> I was like, "Why would you make this decision? It's so bad." It's so bad. <laughs> like, no, within the first decision where.、Um, She like when she's picking out her outfit. Right. I was like, just go for the black dress. Just, just go for that. And then she like picks the one outfit where like、tight. that was too tight. And、um, you know, it shows off casual misogyny of like, oh, she has big boobs, and you know, if she was less attractive, her supervisor wouldn't have come up to her and been like. Hey, this is inappropriate, right? Because you have big boobs and you're a distraction,、um, casual misogyny. But、um, I really like the choose your adventure section、I、because、yeah. because you see where she could have ended the relationship at any time, and this wouldn't have happened. Right. But at the same time, like you have to think about how. She was twenty something years old. I don't remember her exact. Like she was twenty, right? It's her junior year. Yeah, she's like twenty、yeah. years old, and you know, putting that much blame on a twenty-year-old when Congressman <laughs> Congressman Levin was like forty something years old. Yeah, and I also love that, like a choose your own adventure style, where it was written from the perspective of like an omniscient narrator. Yeah, and there's like parts where there's like you'll think about this later, or like you didn't know this yet. Yeah, like、um, there's a section there. There's a passage in that in that chapter where it talks about how the thing the thing with choose your adventure books is that you won't get a story unless you make bad decisions. Because、mm-hmm. otherwise, if you made all of the right or good decisions, the story would be just over within like a page. Right. So, so it like. So I really like to choose your adventure section because it really showed transformation. I don't think it was really redemption, but it was like you, 
like you can change and you can um even though the process can be very painful and it's slow like there is a way to um find your dignity again yeah. and i think that that's what really um sold this book to me because it could have easily been like a grim portrait of like what happens when uh when scandal destroys someone's reputation or there was like something a redemption by retribution yeah like, yeah he's, she's gonna take the congressman down or something yeah so i really liked this i really like kind of like the uplifting ending yeah. In the book? I thought it was super uplifting. So, I, thought I, it was, so yeah. I didn't really understand why a lot of people complained about it. I think it. they've watched too much House of Cards, maybe, or they just like, oh, I don't know. Oh, man. I, I like, like that last episode of House of Cards. I, I did not <laughs> watch the final season. I, I eventually will have to, but I kind of spoiled it for myself. Uh, and I read what happens in the ending. I have no idea. <laughs> and I'm just like, why? I think, I don't know. I think... I don't want to speak for other people because so, I don't know what they think. Mm-hmm. But I like there's something about an ending where the main character, the protagonist, gets closure on their own stuff. And it doesn't have to be like it's, – it's kind of like the whole thing with superhero movies, right? Like it could be a great story. It, it doesn't have to involve world-changing stakes, yeah. right? Like she doesn't have to take down the system. Uh, her coming to terms with herself and like running for office – like doing something that she's always dreamed of doing, only later in life and in the in the situ in, in the different context, is a personal victory for her. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, we haven't really talked about M. Beth, uh, the wife of Congressman Levin. Right. And the thing is, she was surprisingly engaging to me. I really liked reading her chapter. Um, partly because the meeting between Ruby and Embeth was just so funny and endearing to me. Yeah. Um, but I also really liked how Gabrielle, she included Embeth in, in the perspectives because you don't really get the perspective of the, the wife. The spurned who's, wife. Yeah, the spurned wife, the wife who stayed, the po- politician's wife. Right. And... You know, like a lot of people criticize women who stay with their cheating husbands. It's like, oh, like why did her why did her husband cheat in the first place? Why are they why can't they just leave? And I liked how this chapter showed that she still, you know, she knows that her husband is unfaithful and he's kind of a man baby, but she still loves him. And even though their marriage has kind of been stagnant for years, there is like there is there is like this love between them, and um, I really liked this one passage where she's doing her speech at the luncheon, uh-huh. and she's just talking about how being cheated is not that big of a deal, but being cheated on in public is like the worst thing that can happen because people are judging her yeah. instead of judging her husband, and all of a sudden because she's a politician's wife like she's judged on like what color blazer she wears and it's just like what is considered feminist like like she has to kind of put on this show for her husband even though she had nothing to do with the scandal really yeah and i mean same with all the other characters in the book it also shows how like patriarchy seeps into the mindset of 
everyone involved because like she also has this perception of Aviva frozen in that 20-year-old, right, mm-hmm. who had that affair when she interacts with Ruby for the first time, right? Yeah. And starts learning about what Aviva's been up to since disappearing. Yeah. Right? And like, like even having a little bit of admiration for her that she is running for office again, like is actually running for office in her, in her town. Yeah. I thought it was, um, <laughs> I mean, the congressman just seems like, I don't know. I will say I am so glad that he did not get a perspective in this book because yeah. we did not need it. And when we got like the part where he promises her a 30th anniversary party because he probably didn't think she'd survive her cancer. Right? Yeah. And the fact that like he's just like, oh, don't worry. Like I'll plan everything. And she's the one who has to do everything. And she's like, I don't even want to do this party. There was a lot of mention of him being like <laughs> like a, a mediocre husband slash man but a really good politician, like really good with yeah. his constituents, good at keeping promises. And it's like, where do you weigh those, right? You, you, you saw that in um, in Aviva section where she's talking to her, was it feminist studies professor? Oh, or, yeah, yeah. Where she was questioning, like, if the feminists are all about equality and being treated like having like... By giving women yeah. the choice. Yeah. Then where were all the feminist activists when she was being harassed and like strung up to dry? Mm-hmm. Like why were why didn't they take her side? Why didn't they come out against the congressman? And the professor admits that because the congressman has been good for women's politics. Yeah, so they took the man's side. Yeah, in order to advance uh, women's rights, and there's an irony there that <laughs> you know that's really tragic. And it's something that yeah, that's that's how you play politics, right? That's you know you you pick the side that will advance your interests. The furthest. Yeah. Um, there is one thing. It's, it's a really small thing, but it did bother me <laughs> reading this book. In Aviva's Choose Your Adventure section, there is like a small mention of her being raped by her by that one boy who didn't ask for right. permission. Yeah. And when I read that sentence, I was like, what the fuck? Like, like this is not okay. Please tell me that this is going to be addressed. And it wasn't. And I was like, she was raped. And there's like no other mention of it. And I kind of wish there was like... I mean, she mentions it twice. I mean, it's At least- not... I don't know. It just... It just Maybe that was the intention of like making the reader like very unsettled by that, being like, okay, like she was taken advantage of when she was younger and she's taking, she's being taken advantage again. Maybe it's part that the author didn't want to delve into. I mean, that's true. Didn't want to go deep into that as well because that would, that would like take the book to a different like level as well. Um, But that being there, I, I think it's meant to unnerve you. Yeah, because you realize that, like, yeah, she's been abused before, and she just doesn't realize, or she doesn't like have the capacity to like to know that's what happened to her. Right? Yeah, she's yeah. justifying it as they did something without asking permission, but like she doesn't say. Like, she it, doesn't it's like that one section where she says, like, "Oh, I'm not a feminist to the congressman," and yeah. like her omniscient narrative says, "Well, I say <laughs> this because I didn't really know what feminism was. Right. I thought feminism was." my mom and her friend and them fighting for like 
like women's right vote. to <laughs> vote, not vote, but like to have abortions and right. to be able to find work without, you know, subjugating themselves to their husbands the entire time. And um, yeah, I just kind of wish they, she, yeah, it, it did unnerve me quite a bit. Um, and, you know, it's not right for me to like demand the author to like address it, <laughs> but it, I just wish that it was addressed. And I think it's, yeah, I think that's fair, but I also think it's, it was meant to stick out. Yeah. That's what I think. I um, did, I did like how, um, you kind of get a complete picture of Aviva, like how much insecurity she has as a young woman, because you see how her mom treats her about her body. Mm-hmm. And like you read you read that she went to fat camp and you just kind of read into like how her having big boobs is a problem mm-hmm. for her and how it projects this like this temptress image on her and it's it's like yeah when when you're a when you're a young woman you're gonna be obsessed with your looks because that is kind of uh forced upon you as a young girl it's like your appearance is everything and and you know that that is a form of patriarchy yeah i mean it, it even affects her daughter who personally doesn't care but the world cares about how she looks and how she acts. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> I want to bring up um, something that I noticed because my brain works this way is Asian representation in this book. Um, Gabrielle Zevin is, um, I think, part Korean, right? Is Korean her mom, Jewish? Her mom is Korean. Her father is Jewish. Right. The only Asian character. There are two Asian characters in this story, right? One was um, M. Beth's um, um, cancer doctor. Mm-hmm. And one was um, Aviva's father's mistress, yeah, right. Who he doesn't even end up marrying, yeah. And what did you think about that section where the mother just casually goes to confront the mistress? I don't know. Like when I when I read that section, I I thought it was really like it was sad because Rachel went to Embeth to fix like to fix the scandal, right? To fix the affair. And Rachel, again, went to the mistress to kind of fix her relationship with her husband. And it's like, why is she going to the women? Why can't she just go to the guy and be like, hey, put your dick where it's supposed to go? <laughs> like, it, it's just it's just like the fact that she is kind of putting the responsibility on the other woman to kind of clean up the mess like that that was really sad to me but but the thing is like it happens like that I mean, most of the time that's a that's another thing that runs through like almost all the parts like i think um like rachel goes to embeth to try to solve her daughter's affair mm-hmm. right to try to get um, him to break up with her Ruby goes to Mrs. Morgan to try to get her mom to not run for mayor anymore. Yeah. Right? Um, Embeth wants to um, pass Ruby off to her grandmother and make it her problem. It should be, it's just, there's a line that says, this should be Rachel Grossman's problem. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, and also goes out of her way to like protect her husband from everything. Yeah. Right? Because the man needs to be protected. Which is funny <laughs> because it's usually this society says the opposite, being like, oh, like, 
women should be protective. They are of a delicate state. And yeah. it's like, really? Then why do they have to like deal with all of this emotional baggage and they're kind of expected to just deal with it? Right. And at the end, you know, I think what shows, um, what illustrates like Jane's growth is that at the end, she decides not to let someone else take care of her problems anymore. Yeah. Although she does ask her mom to take care of her, her, her granddaughter while she goes to the debate. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was nice that like her mom was just like, yeah, like go to the debate. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll take care of this. I wasn't expecting the um, reveal of the actual father of Ruby. Yeah. I was really surprised <laughs> by that. Oh, uh, because like during Aviva's story, like, like they didn't do any like, you know, actual intercourse. So you're, you're trying to piece together. Like who's like, is the congressman the father? Like, I don't think they talk to each other. Like the timing doesn't make sense, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. Unless they were still together after the accident. Yeah. Right. Uh, it it turns out to be um, Jorge. Jorge Rodriguez. Yeah, the, I I thought it was really like really sneaky because that that seed was planted in Embeth's right. perspective because like she thinks that Jorge wants to quit. Wants to quit, and Jorge's like, "What are you talking about? That's not what I'm here to talk to you about." Yeah. And you're just like, "Oh, then." Why is he there? And then you find out later, it's like, oh, he's the dad. <laughs> and really, it's inconsequential. Yeah. Like, it doesn't really matter. And I like that. I like that he didn't really show up in Ruby's life. And that Ruby's life just kind of went on. Yeah. I, I was glad to see her and her mom reconcile, though. Like, I was glad that was... that worked its way into the ending if that didn't happen i'd be more upset (laughs) yeah if it was if it was like another 10 years between yeah yeah because like 10 years pass between rachel and jane yeah to like reconcile it's just like oh no 10 years for ruby and jane to reconcile i I don't think i can handle it yeah i think the relationship between jane and ruby is illustrating like what um like a more modern because like like, Rachel is also kind of a walking stereotype in ways. Yeah. Like, in one way, yes, in terms of, like, the overbearing mother. But in other ways, like, she's online dating. She's, like, trying new things. She's She has a life, too. She has her her own interest in, like, drama with her friend, right? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, man. I totally forgot about this. Like, what did you think about Rachel losing her job as vice principal of, of the school? She was, she, was, she was principal. Oh, she was principal. Yeah. Sorry. She was promoted principal. Um, as, yeah, she was like interim principal for a while, and then she was full-time principal, and then the scandal happened. And I think it's it just shows that, like... It's, it's just like, if she was a guy, that would not have happened. There's this, like, scandal stench that emanates from the, the person that, like, affects... Unfairly affects everyone who's, like, who is um, even remotely connected to her, right? Yeah, uh, but I mean, also, I, I mean, mean, she does make a mistake. She does like yeah. take a political side. Part of it is her like. I think it's just um, <laughs> it's also like, yeah, like comeuppance for her like trying to break her daughter up through M. Beth by like using yeah. her position, right? Mm-hmm. And but it also kind of shows that yeah, again, like if this if she was a man using her power to do personal things it probably wouldn't have have yeah. ended with her losing her job well right? it's just like that that stereotype of like oh 
well, like with Congressman Levin, it's like, oh, well, he had an affair, but he's also like good at his job. So let him keep his job. Yeah. Whereas like with Rachel Grossman, it's like she's a really good principal, but it doesn't matter. She needs to be fired. Yeah. And <laughs> the 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 um the rabbi that that fires her, there's echoes of um the the job that Aviva almost gets at Philadelphia, which is like it's not my decision. I fought for you, but it's just the higher ups. Like they don't want to be connected to the scandal, right? It's always it's never there. It's never like we know you're cool, but the world doesn't know you're cool, and that's like the excuse that they give. Excuses. <laughs> There's a quote that I really like, and it's when Aviva is, like, when Rachel Grossman is telling her daughter, hey, like, get a job, like, stop being in the pool and reading Harry Potter for, like, the fourth <laughs> time. And um, Aviva's like, Aviva's like, uh, like, I'm, like, like, I'm a slut, so I can't be acquitted of that. And I was like, oh, that's a really good quote. I don't know if I said that correctly, but... Uh, it's That's just, pretty much the gist of it. I mean, during that time, she's just like, no one will hire me. Like, I can't be anything. So I'm going to sit here and read Harry Potter for the fourth time. And then read the next Harry Potter for the fourth time. I mean, I've definitely read Harry Potter while, like, I was sick. But <laughs> uh, not not this time around, no. This time around, I, I like, just watched a lot of Terrace House. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I have a question for you, Marvin. Um, like... As a dude reading this, was there anything new that you gleaned from reading the novel? Um, I think I think a big I think well part of it is um well I mean a unique thing for um or um uh, something that's specific to me is that uh I've always worked in spaces with strong women like most of my bosses i think only i've only had one boss in my life that hasn't been a woman for me i don't know if i learned anything new uh besides like the intricacies of like jewish american life in florida (laughs) um but it was really i had a really good time reading the book and like i don't know how to like put that into like more specific nuanced um analysis uh maybe if i had time to like draft like an actual review Mm -hmm. i would have more to say but um, I thought this was a book that I want to recommend to more people. And I think... Yeah. It, it does make me wonder, like, what other guys would think yeah. of, like, reading this book. Because I, kn- I know that you've worked with, like, really, like, outstanding women in, in collaboration and um, your other um, other organizations that you worked for. So it just makes me wonder, like, <laughs> guys who don't understand the casual misogyny that happens... Yeah, to women on a daily basis. Like, I mean, how would they react to this? They book? should read this book. Who knows that they will? Or people, people will like. I'll be interested to read reviews of the book by dudes, other dudes. Yeah, right. And what they think, because like a lot of it is like these are stuff. This is stuff that we all know. We all know that people are human beings. We live with. Like, we interact with people all the time. We also know that how easy it is to minimize people. Um, I think part of what this book wants to teach is how we shouldn't do that to everybody and or when we do won't like not to take things at face value yeah i I think to sum it up this book really um this book's message is to have compassion yeah to have empathy 
And even if you don't agree with someone's decisions or uh, their mistakes, if you think their mistakes are irrational and they shouldn't have made it in the first place, be empath- be empathetic. Yeah, that and also I think this is a great book for people who have been through this type of shaming to show that like there are like there are second acts. There are like like the orchid from Jane's room. Like nothing is ever fully dead if you give it enough care and nurture like things like mm-hmm. i mean look at donald trump he became president let's not talk about donald trump i know, no. I know. why you got to bring it down I, because, I was, okay I just, i'm big, sorry i'm sorry just um, edit that <laughs> out just edit that out i'm just saying um, that it is not too late to pursue what you think was impossible donald trump's a symptom not a is <laughs> what happens when we let um, all the antagonistic elements of this book run rampant yes. without doing anything to stop it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, and I guess that'll do it uh, for our discussion of Young Jang Young. Um, if you have anything else to add to our conversation or uh, want to discuss things that we may have um, glossed over or missed, please sign off on our Goodreads forums. Um, we always love reading about um, your thoughts about the books. And um, I mean, there's... Like we and I are only only two people. We don't even there meet are, that often, so yeah. There are tons of perspectives out there that we would love to um to know about. So um you can go to our Goodreads forum by going to goodreads.com and searching books and boba. Uh Rira. Yes. What are we reading for in the month of January? Okay, so this part is a little bit tricky. Um <laughs> I'm reading a book that I have not read, but Marvin has read. It's actually Marvin's copy, uh, and I have not returned it for like two years because has it I, been that long? Yeah, it's been it's been that long. <laughs> I've had your book for two years because I'm like, oh boy, like this this book is like 600 pages. I really need an incentive to finish this, and I decided to make it a books and boba pick. <laughs> and it's actually because it's so long, we're making it a January and February book club pick to give people ample time to finish it. Makes sense. And it's Ken Liu's. Grace of Kings. Yes. Yes. Finally, right? <laughs> Marvin will finally get his copy of the book back. But <laughs> this is not all because I don't want Marvin to go two months without reading a book. So I'm assigning him something that I've already read. And for the people who have already read Grace of Kings. And that is Rainbirds by, Clar- Rainbirds by Clarissa Gonawan. <laughs> I really love this book, and I hope you like it too. All right. So, do we get your copy? Do we? Do we no, I, I I borrowed it from the library, Marvin. Oh, no. So this, maybe you should this, get a this library will be our card. Special bonus content where I go get my library card. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe someday in January we will make a trip to the library and document this on Instagram yeah. for all to see <laughs> me filling out my personal information. Um, You'll look back on this ten years from now, Marvin, and be like, wow. <laughs> This was when I got my first adult library card, and ex- you'll be thankful. I've had, actually, I haven't. I can't say that. Awesome! I'm excited that this is like is is this our first epic fantasy? I don't know. Because we, we both read Jade City. I mean, it's not epic fantasy, but like, but that wasn't a book club pick, though. That's true. You also have a book that I. Uh, you also have my copy of I Believe in a Thing Called Love by Moringu, which That's haven't read. Not- epic fantasy no that is that is k-drama rom-com <laughs> what's what's the name for what's the what's the genre book genre name for k-drama rom-com i think i think it's just that <laughs> well maringu is very good at it 
I want to read her. Um, I do want to read her uh, one about food trucks. Oh, the way you make me feel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, read it on your own time. <laughs> Um, and that'll do it for this episode of Books and Boba. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, well, as we discussed, Young Jin Young by Gabrielle Zevin. Um, as you may have picked up, Reaver and I both really, really love this book. And you sh- and, um, and if you listen to this entire discussion and have not read the book yet, you should go read the book. Not you're armed with our perspective. And if you have any new things, good reads. And um, also, please share which book club pick from books and boba you liked most in 2018 yeah that'd be fun yeah (laughs) um thank you so much to the potluck podcast collective for letting us be part of their group the potluck podcast collective is a collective of asian american podcast featuring great shows such as um books and boba uh, Saturday School, The Collabcast, first of all, They Call Us Bruce, Good Muslim, Bad Muslim, and more. You can find all of our great programs by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. Special thanks also to Visual Communications. This podcast was recorded at the Potluck Podcast Studios within the Visual Communications offices. Uh, Visual, Communi- Visual Communications, of course, is an organization that supports Asian American films and media through their programs such as the Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival and the Arm with the Camera Fellowship. Uh, you can learn more about VC at vconline.org um, and on that note thanks happy, for joining us happy new year happy 2019 we'll see you in the new year okay. bye bye Hey, I'm Bill Yu, and you may know me from a blog called Angry Asian Man. And I'm Jeff Yang, author, journalist, and celebrity dad. We host a podcast called They Call Us Bruce, an unfiltered conversation about what's happening in Asian America. Each week or so, we host a discussion about some of the most vital and interesting topics in our pop culture and our community, bringing in guests who are shaping and informing this thing called Asian America from Hollywood to D.C. and beyond. Uh, we've got media, entertainment, food, family, politics, representation, the good, the bad, the WTF of it all. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at theycallsbruce.com. Peace. Peace.